everybody, I'm Robert, and this is Figure of Speech, a podcast dedicated to the impact of forensics on the lives of people who competed, and some who didn't. Episode 10, Ryan Onahassian. Am I saying that no, last name right? No, you're not. How do I say it? You didn't even ask. It's Ohanessian. Ohanessian. Yeah. And I should know because you were my former student. Right. Yeah. Onahessian? <laughs> Ohanessian. Ohanessian. Sound it out. O. Ha. Ha. Ness. Ness. Ian. Onahessian. <laughs> See, I want to put the N too early. I think that's what it is. Ohanessian. Ohanessian. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? <laughs> it's going well. How are you doing? Uh, Ryan. <laughs> so uh, you were a former student of mine at, the, at Glendale Community College. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm very interested in your background with uh, with speech and debate. You mainly did debate, is that right? Right. Yeah. And then uh, after you left Glendale, well, you, you walk us through this. So tell us how you got involved. Like, what was the whole background? How did you get started in speech and debate? All right. So, so I came. I was at Glendale Community College, and I went from being a business major um, to deciding I didn't want to do that anymore, and I wanted to go into something a little bit more flexible. Flexible and less like uh, I guess black and white. I, I just don't like these classes, so I wanted to go into communications. Right, you had a um, great speech teacher, and you're like, oh, man, I yeah, gotta get involved and, in that. You know, well, I had to drop these classes, crash essentially a bunch of other ones, and uh, this the the debate class was one of the classes I was trying to crash, and so I did. And the way the class was set up was really interesting because we would just get in, and uh, you know, just essentially debate go over some things, debate some more. And uh, I was really interested in the like unconventional sense of like what we did in this class. Mm-hmm. And I kind I kind of just felt like, oh, this is something like I want to actually try to do really well. Um, not what do to, you mean by that? But what was unconventional about it? Standing up and doing just a, essentially a bunch of debates like in class. In your in class. In a debate class? Yeah, I That's mean, like, conventional. Well, typically it's like lecture, lecture. Le- I think okay. you had maybe two lectures. Yeah, I didn't have very many. Yeah, and the rest was on. It was more like student pushed, and you would give feedback, and that was really cool. I liked it, and um, and after the class, I thought that was essentially it. I'm like, oh, that was a fun class. Let me go on with my. <laughs> and then I roped you back in. And well, then I was hold like, on. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't go there yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, the way that I I tried to structure the class was that. I'm a firm believer of you have to get in the deep end of the pool and start swimming, right? You could mm-hmm. sit here and take theoretical instructions on how to swim all day long, but if you don't get wet, you're never going to know how to swim. So I tried to push as many debates as possible, and I think what you're talking about was after the debates, I would do these, um, okay, so we saw the debate, let's break down what we saw and what we can what we can extrapolate from that. And I, I, I personally tried as much as I could to not talk about uh, arguments that should have been said and things like that, but really lessons that you can take with you to the next debate. I think that's right. a problem I've always had with people who judge and teach debate is it's always like, well, you should have said this and you should have said that. And it's like, okay, but that didn't happen. So what can we learn from this and how can we apply it to next time? Like what what kind of thinking needs to be done? And so I, I appreciate that, what you're saying about the, the non-traditional uh, nature of it. When you decided to take debate class you had done a speech, an intro speech class, is that right? Yes. And then yeah. what drew you to taking debate? What, why did you decide to crash that class? Um, honestly, the competitive side of like what one would think of debate. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's competition and it's speech. Um, what drew me to it was, interestingly, like I did fine in my speech 101 class. 
I just didn't feel like I was a good speaker, but it also was, it kind of gave me like a sort of thrill, like you're up there and you have to do it and you're sort of forced into it as opposed to like sitting at your desk and taking notes. A little rush. Yeah. And you're you're forced to pay attention because if you, if you're not there trying to figure out what to say and what to say well, then you're, you're going to look silly. Yeah. And so I, I, I thought, Hey, like, if I push myself into something that I'm not comfortable with, that might be fun. And I'm competitive. I grew up playing sports and I'm like, debate might be cool. And yeah, I took it and I, I, I liked it. I didn't think I was very good. Um, and the class, I don't have the class itself was interesting. Um, like who I was paired up with and who were you stuff. paired up with? We had, a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. You, I'm you sure, can, I'm sure they don't listen. Uh, yeah, okay. Artson. Mm-hmm. And so, Artson and I got... Do you, I don't know if you remember Artson. I don't... Curly I, hair. I, I remember vaguely. Okay. But go ahead. Well, we were set up to be partners for the first debate in the class. And I think we had like two... We had a while to prep for it. It was like two weeks or mm-hmm. something like that. And we prepped so much. Like, he lived close to me and we met up like a few times a week um at like a starbucks or something and for like maybe like two hours or so we would just go over stuff that's great it seems great Uh uh-oh but it was one of those things that we could we we were figuring out the subject but every time we would get some sort of momentum with one side of like a case Uh or like a pro or a con he would do like the but what if but then they could just say but and that was always a reason not to like write out your notes or whatever he was always he was debating when you're trying to build yeah and i was trying to build and i'm like all right let's just write this down maybe we could and so we were getting closer to the debate and he's like i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna we're just gonna you know he was doing that whole like i i know it by the you know in the back Back of my my hand and i'm just gonna go up there and say it i'm like you know fuck this guy like i'm so tired of i'm so tired of dealing with him and he thinks he's the shit and it's gonna be fine and he kind of like I remember he kind of ran an audible when we were up there and he's just like, uh, you know, like I'll be the first speaker. He was just trying to like command things. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I think I went up and did my speech. He went up there and like had nothing to say. How long were, I think our speeches were like five four, minutes, four five, minutes, four minutes, four minutes. Yeah. We, we did public forum Pu- in public forum. It wasn't even parliamentary public forum. He had like a minute. He had like a minute of stuff to say. And then he would get up there and he would freeze. And I was sitting in my seat on his team like, yes. Like, <laughs> I was like against him because I was just like, you wasted so much of my time. Like, I almost want to see you do bad. But, mm-hmm. you know, that was just. I was You're frustra- trying to tank your own team. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't actually. I, of course, I want him to do well. I just sure. felt like his, the cockiness really yeah. got him a little ahead of himself. I remember you being very polished like very very clean and having clear ideas and that really stood out to me in the class as you being someone who uh you you picked up what i was putting down Mm -hmm. and just i mean uh, since you've been in my class you and i have formed a friendship um and i've i've always noticed that about you like if i say something to you 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 either understand or you ask a follow-up question to say well what do you mean Mm -hmm. 
and that alone, like you'd be amazed how many people don't have that. Right. And if you just have that, you're already off to a pretty good start. Like, okay, we can have a conversation now, like an effective right. conversation. And I felt like that alone made you a pretty good, and, and you were also an eloquent speaker. You also had believability when you were up there. Um, and so let's talk about what happened mm -hmm. after the class. So when the class is over, you're essentially thinking that you're done with debate, yeah. right? Yeah, and you you ran me down on the quad, <laughs> and I I think I was like on the phone, and then I saw you coming down and Glendale coming down that little like bridge, mm -hmm. and you're like raising your hand. I'm like, oh shit, there's Robert, you know, um, and then uh, you know I said, oh, let me call you back, and you're like, hey, are you? Interested? It was a very important phone call. It was like the results to your cancer screening or something, and <laughs> yeah. you're like, hold on, I gotta talk to my stupid yeah. speech professor. <laughs> yeah, he's flagging me down. He's <laughs> going straight for me. And then, uh, yeah, you just asked me if I was interested in doing a, a national debate tournament. And I'm like, that sounds big. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then you're like, I think you said, like, oh, maybe you could, like, find someone from the class that you think is good. You know, we could work together. And I'm like, oh, let me ask, you know, a few people. And I, I asked a few people and they just didn't get back. Yeah. It's the classic. This is how you say no. Yeah. Nowadays thing. It's just yeah. you don't just get back. Ice to them off. Yeah. 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 Um, and so then I ended up working with Charlie because I think her partner can do it. Right. So it was essentially the two of us. And we agreed to do this national tournament in Indianapolis. All right. So Charlie, was she in your class? No. No, she wasn't. Okay. So Charlie was, as I recall, she was in another class. And I think she had mm -hmm. a partner that she was, her partner was kind of iffy. I think her partner was Summer. And Charlie and Summer were a really good debate team. And then it uh, looked like Summer wasn't going to be able to go to nationals. Mm -hmm. And so she needed a, a partner. And I said, all right, well, what about Ryan? What if we pair you up with Ryan? Right. Yeah. And then how did that go? It went really well. Um, we met in when we were sitting in on your one of your classes uh -huh. that you were teaching, a debate class, the next semester. And I remember you had introduced us uh, to the class, you're like, you know, I have a couple of national, I think you even said national debaters in the back, back, back of the class, just watching in, uh -huh. whatever, whatever. And the whole class did this. Oh, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm sitting there like only if you knew <laughs> you know, it's like national debate. I'm like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> um, but it went well. Cause, uh, that was your first tournament, wasn't it? That was, yeah, that was my first tournament and outside you of your class. Right. And so you, we went to nationals. We this was the uh, PSPCDSL or something like that. I can't uh, remember what the name. Yeah, was. yeah. And uh, th this is a, a unique uni nationals at the time that had <clears throat> all sorts of like weirdo events. These mm -hmm. were events that you don't typically see at most college tournaments. Some of them were high school events that were offered at the college level. Uh, things like Congress, Public Forum, which are really popular at the college level. Yeah. There was like. Um, there was all sorts of like, what, what are you going to say? Uh, well, you threw me into editorial impromptu. Editorial impromptu? Shit. I'm still having like nightmares about that. <laughs> you're like, I just, just tag this on to what you're doing because some sort of, you know, formality with keeping it going or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'm doing debates. So I want to just do editorial <laughs> Why impromptu. Why <not>, man? <laughs> I'll talk about that. Jeez. Um, so there's all these like cuckoo events. Some of them, yeah. uh, one of them was really cool. They invented an event for grad students where grad students would come in and um, round one was you would read 
an abstract of the research and you would compare the researches like the, this person's research to that person's research. And then like round two is they would come in and you would do a face to face interview for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And round three was somehow it was like really cool, like crazy. They had they had um, well, they had a podcast one, right? They had like a did they have a podcast, podcast radio? Uh, um, maybe I know they had a um, what you, like a, a resume review competition where you go in with your resume and you right, have to like remember that sit down with someone and like try to get the job and that was the event i'm like dude what a cool event like we should be thinking about stuff that's outside the box that truly benefits you when you're done with your college experience like that what a valuable event more so i would even argue than debate like that's right. probably the most valuable event you probably could have totally but anyway went to this tournament and totally. so how did you do what was your experience um I was really nervous. I was like really nervous because mm -hmm. not only are you at a debate tournament, now I'm like in Indianapolis. I was comfortable with you. I, I looked, I, I really sorry. actually, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, I thought of you as a, like a fun, cool teacher and you know, like I felt comfortable being in that place with you. Right. You know, Charlie was a really good partner and she, you know, she was an artin, mm -hmm. so she was doing a lot of the work and she already had experience at a tournament because she had done this tournament before. So she was a bit of the leader in terms of like our dynamic. Yeah. And I was kind of like, Oh, you know, picking her brain and then trying to just do the best I can to help her. Right. Right. Speeches. And, uh, so I went in nervous and I remember the, the first debate of the first day I slept in that morning and so, like, I already screwed it up from, like, the start. And then, I, like, it kind of threw off my day just because, like, I was really tired going into it. Because I was preparing for this and I was still working on my school stuff. And, you know, I was up late um, just, like, writing these speeches because it just wasn't, like, where I wanted it to be. Let's and, like, talk about that for a minute. speech ever where you want it to be? Right. Let's talk you know about that saying? for a minute. I say this all the time. Whenever we go to a travel tournament or national tournaments, I have so many students that we take to some of these tournaments and they're excited, they're nervous, and they really want to make a good impression. And I think they spend so much energy trying to get everything just right the night before. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, you've already, you're, you're killing yourself at this point. You've already figured out what you're going to say or what you aren't. And changing it at the last minute is not going to work out well. Just no. you're you're shortchanging yourself sleep, and that's going to mess you up more. Right, and that's that's the situation we sort of ran into because we we were in the hotel and it was it was late, and I remember you saying just like do what you can, but like leave it alone at a certain point yeah. and just sleep. Get because, some sleep. Yeah, sleep. Yeah, yeah. And I stayed up pretty late, and I was just already exhausted, and I felt like. I felt pretty messed up the next morning because we were up pretty early. I think the first debate was like seven yeah. or something seven like or eight. that. Yeah. And, you know, so I woke up. I think up. we had to drive a little ways to get there. We did. Yeah. It was like a good like 15, 20 minute drive. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, and and also I forgot to print my, my speeches. Oh, great. So I had my phone out. And then like after, I mean, after it all, you know, Charlie's like, oh, you, you know, the judges are all looking at you funny because you're all you're on your phone. But I'm like, yeah, I'm reading off of them. Who cares? At, the, at this point, I'm like, who cares what you're reading off of if it's your uh -huh. notes? But it did look like I was unprepared for sure. It's just <laughs> like, ah, shit, I didn't print the fucking speech. Um, well, some would say I should, probably should have done a better job of coaching you and been like, where's your speech? I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, all right. 
Uh, all right. So after round one, and you go, you know, you, you do the the tournament. How mm. the day progresses, and how are you feeling? Well, r- round one was pretty rough. We, we that was actually the one we won, um, and we, you we won got, one round. We we did. We had three. Oh, there was only three we rounds. Had three debates. Okay, and then we did speeches. Okay, um, so we went like one and two, I believe. Um, we won that one. Is it only three rounds? Gosh, it feels like more. Okay. Yeah, we won that one. It was it was a rough one, but after that, if we kind of like locked in and felt comfortable, and we were having fun too, um, and it felt like oh, it was just that there doesn't need to be this much pressure on us. At least me for myself. Sure. I felt this like you know I I came all this way. I want to at least do well, and this sort of like I need to you know not let myself down, and obviously my my team, but. Then I was also like, you know, this is my first time doing a speech and debate tournament. I'm not yeah. doing that bad, and it's fine, and it's fun, and it's cool, and Charlie's okay. So I was also always looking over my shoulder to make sure she was not, like... Freaking out and pissed yeah, off. Yeah, and, and she was totally not, and so that made me feel more comfortable the rest of the way. That's good. And the other the other debaters we went against were really good, Yeah, at least in my eyes at the time. Um, I remember them being decent. I remember going, this, they're not bad. No, like, they this, were polished. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they had done it in high school. Right. And I think that's why. Stuff. And they had some experience. Right. And they kind of knew what was going on. And I was like, right, cool. But I think, I, I think for me as your coach, I was looking at that really more as a, this is an opportunity for you to grow. This is a great chance for you to travel out of state and really focus on what is a national tournament, not ultra competitive. I mean, mm. it's, it's competitive enough where you've got a shot, but you're going to have to work hard to get that shot to work. Right. And, um, and yeah, I think like that's kind of what I looked at the tournament as being. So when we came back from the tournament, what happened to you then? Where, where did you go? What was the next step for you? Well, it was kind of over with then in terms of like I wasn't doing any more debate. I was just getting out of Glendale Community College and then transferring to Cal State Northridge. Mm-hmm. And this debate helped me actually decide like, Oh, I want to like do this. And I have a chance to do this at Cal state Northridge for, uh, two years. And, um, I remember you telling me like, it's, it's, it's just not the same. It's its own thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like the debate you learn here. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. You doing a policy debate. Yeah. Well, we didn't really de- talk about it being policy. You're okay. just like, it's different. And so I, um, joined debate at CSUN and it was policy debate. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Okay. And then I learned all about policy debate. Sure. And that, was that John Kephart who was yeah over there? he was okay. the director at the time, and uh, yeah I mean he was John was great I really like John and I, I think I appreciate him more now now you uh-huh. know <laughs> but you know so, so I get into this and um, I was trying Charlie was at the school at CSUN, and I was trying to get her to. Join up with join you. with me because I'm like this is th- I'm just doing this by myself. Yeah, debate's not something I'm comfortable with, even now. And and she didn't. She was busy. And so I, we were learning about policy debate, and they're like, yeah, these debates aren't you know they're essentially they'll run like an hour and a half, two hours long. And I'm like, I'm sorry, like a debate that runs like near <laughs> two hours long, and just the whole setup of what it was compared to public forum. You're like, How many rounds do you do in the two hours? Like, was, oh no, that's one round. Yeah. 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 And then like three of those a day and then three of those the next day or four. And, yeah. Um, you know, I'll get into that, but like it was, everything was different. It was the way you spoke, 
um, what you were saying, uh, essentially what judges were voting on mm -hmm. and sort of what was valued and what wasn't valued. And so what I had learned from you and, and essentially valued in myself was that like the way you present, like I, you sort of your creative writing ability in terms of a speech and putting a nice speech together. Um, but it was kind of all about now it turned into like a chess game of like evidence cards versus evidence cards. And it took me a while to really get used to that. And once I did, I, I, I liked it a little bit more and, uh, you know, I, I understood it for what it was, but I also think that like there are things in policy debate that don't help you the way like public forum does. Hmm. And, um, they're really different and, no, you're saying that because, um, well, I mean, uh, th it sounds like there's things that policy helps with that, that public forum doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, totally. You and I have kind of talked about this behind, you know, outside of this podcast, mm -hmm. behind the scenes, we've kind of mentioned that. And my, uh, my respect for policy has, is dwindled because I feel like it's so esoteric. It really speaks to a very small niche and like what it, the benefits of it out outside of policy, mm -hmm. um, I don't think are as as large as it could be, and so I I resent it for that. Uh, mm -hmm. Just the way that it's it's being done, and the way that um, judges expect for you to win a certain way and say things a certain way, um, whether that's spreading or just using evidence instead of rhetoric and things like that. That right. that it, here's how we play this game. Um, you know, if you play tennis, you get strong, right? Mm. You get, you build muscle mass and you know, you look ripped and you walk around right. and you're like, yo, I'm a tough guy. Yeah. But when you're doing debate, like if you're doing public forum, I feel like that, ha that translates over into other areas. Like tennis would translate over to other areas. Right. But when you're doing policy, I feel like it, there's no real advantage outside of policy. Like mm -hmm. you're, if you become a, if you get into law and you got into a, a courtroom and you started spreading it would be like, yeah. I mean, you'd be, you know, kicked yeah. out of there. Shut you'd up. be like, yeah, no, no one's going to listen to you. And no jury is going to want to, you know, to, to vote your way. No, yeah. So I, I have problems with policy debate for that reason. Not totally. the actual rules or the, the, the structure of the event. In fact, I, I kind of quite like it. But I think just the practice of, of how it's been over the past 20 or 30 years, it's really started to kind of... I don't know, fall apart in my mind. Well, and I, you said that you felt similar to that. Yeah. Well, and I'll even extend that because you mentioned spreading and you mentioned, you know, like evidence over rhetoric. And I think even more so now it's, it's how cr like cr critiques are yeah. being implemented into policy debate where it's, there are so many critiques that are finding their way into, um, you know, various conventional policy plans like if you're talking about like a carbon tax plan and then the neg or the con mm -hmm. <laughs> negative is talking about you know some sort of criticism of how that's you know systematically racist or whatever and then then the debate becomes about that and then like these framework arguments and stuff like that and so now the debate is not only not even about the topic it's about how the top or it's essentially about how, how the, the debaters topic are relates yeah, and it gets really meta and really weird. And it's I think these are fine things to talk about and debate and and you know, they hold up in their own sense, but then at the end of the tournament you're never talking about greenhouse gas emissions. 
Right. You're just defending it against the criticism that co- that criticisms that come at it. And I think not not that it's necessarily has no place in debate. I just think that it's like the pendulum swinging in one way and it's almost not safe to to talk about the things themselves. So now you're so like far removed from the thing itself and you know whatever whatever topic that you're discussing and the pros and cons uh, related to that but yeah like I guess and- I guess my problem with it becomes when you have that many critiques it starts to it just if you, they're so spurious you know like when you when you've written a critique before you've ever seen the debaters live that to me starts to feel like okay you're just using this as a tactic I guess a diversionary tactic and I get it it's part of the game but it's really it goes against the spirit of what we're supposed to be doing. We ran we ran a critique at CSUN in my first semester there. And it was a Heidegger critique. So Martin Heidegger, the mm-hmm. philosopher. Okay. We used to we, we called it Heidegarlin. It was George Carlin, Martin <laughs> Heidegger. Okay. And it was so brainy. It was essentially that like it essentially talked about how like the more we try to manipulate the world, the more harm we do to it. And we were talking about greenhouse gas emissions. So we use that against anything the affirmative or the pro would say. We won four straight, and I had no idea what I was talking about. See, I mean, not like no that's idea. That's my problem. No, like, I, not no idea, but like this was way over my head. And we kind of said, fuck it. And we're like the last, you know, the last day, it's the last tournament. Let's just run it, you know? And we were winning on it. And then like we're looking around like, is this a joke? But it's like the problem is they couldn't say anything back and it seemed like it you know it worked and i don't know we ran we talked about some evidence cards that helped us win <laughs> it's I, strange i also kind of feel like there is a larger than small percentage of the judge pool that just kind of glazes over and writes down a couple of things and then it's just like totally. i don't know just, yeah. you win Great. totally yeah and they're just they're out there just, they're not paying attention. There's a very small percentage that is totally paying attention to each argument and really taking everything super serious. But that's such a small popul- like portion of the, the judge pool. And I feel like it's all a sham. This whole thing is a sham mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that's why I don't like it. I don't like that. There, it's like we've, I don't know, we've fallen into these habits of how to, how to debate and no, it's not even really being appreciated. Everybody, it's the emperor's new clothes. It's just like mm-hmm. everybody just saying, "Oh, well, I guess that matters because you dropped it." And like, you, I, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's not even what anybody's paying attention to. Anyway, right? Yeah, and you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, there are things from policy. Like, it, it really does get you to pay attention and and read and and study mm-hmm. and pick things out and you know, or at least say a bunch of stuff that you don't know what it means. Exactly. <laughs> I will say though, man, like policy debate really forced me to, to like try the best, best that I can in debates to really be in the moment when like shit was hitting the Mm. fan. Um, for example, when my partner and I, in my first semester at CSUN, her name was Sin and she was great. And, uh, we were going to Arizona state and we were discussing greenhouse gas and, uh, yeah, maybe this is a bad bad example because I I sort of froze, but I really had to stay in the moment in order to say anything. Yeah, 
And so they were talking about like some sort of methane plan and we didn't have any like methane cards, like anti-methane or arguments against it. We had nothing to say <laughs> and they were spreading and it was a uh, novice. Uh-huh. I was just like, oh, it's my first debate. What have you gotten yourself into? Yeah. And we were late too. And okay. it was just like going in while they're already there and ready. You know, uh-huh. they got the thing up already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Their so. little podium yeah. all put up there. All right. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I remember during the debate, I'm like <clears throat> thinking to myself, there's going to be an hour and a half of this. I need to relax get and just trying to try to get what I can out of what they're saying. Yeah. And I think there is something to that too, because it's, so much is being said and so much is being thrown at you. Do what you can to find the key points and the arguments or essentially the arguments within and have something to say about that. Mm. And I think that's its own challenge too. Mm. So in that sense, it, it it was beneficial, at least to me as a debater. Mm. You know, so. After you, now how long do you do policy at CSUN? You do it for two years? Now, here I did it for two semesters within okay. the two years. So I did it that first semester I got there. I got tired of it for the next two. Essentially or I got tired of it, skipped it for the next two. And then it was my last semester and I said, you know, like let's go let's back. Let's just do it. I'm not I'm not gonna be able to do this again or at least have the chance. Um and I'm glad I did. It it went really well. Um my partner and I, um, at the time. Not Sin, but the... Well, now I was uh, paired up with Henry. Okay. And um, he was also really good, and he had joined um, during the previous semesters. Uh, we were still in Novice, and we ended up doing really well. We uh, won a few speaker awards and then won first place, second place in our last two tournaments. So it was like the perfect way to go out, especially since I was not winning at all. <laughs> I was like, ah, it feels good to... To get, get a couple wins under yeah, your belt. Yeah, do well. And I, yeah. we really feel like we did well. And, and we actually did a public forum debate and then we did a policy debate. And we each did well. At, we we each uh, we won at each tournament and they were our last two. So it was it was a cool way to go out. When you're doing that that public forum, because public forum's not usually offered at college, right? Uh, They talked about it being offered, but it wasn't. Okay. When they did that, I think I remember you telling me they were doing like the policy okay. version. What was yeah, that about? Yeah. Uh, so th- this is really weird because I remember talking to a debater my first semester at CSUN. I know I'm jumping around a bunch. I'm sorry. Um, but he had a public forum background at community college. Uh-huh. And he said, you know, I've, he's like, I've done a public forum here. It's not the same. And I'm like, so what do you mean? He's like, it's baby policy. And I'm like, okay. Okay, I was still getting familiar with policy. So fast forward to my last semester at CSUN. Public forum's coming up. I'm like, oh, cool. I get to do a public forum you know, debate. I've done this. I can write this. And yeah. I feel like since I've done all this crap in between, it's going to be better stuff. now. Yeah. And I'm, this is going to be easy. And uh, so we, you know, the, the, what our coaches were telling us to do was essentially kind of what you told us to do. Write our own speeches. Yeah. Here's a topic, pro and con. It's different have fun, you know, and we'll critique it and use metaphors and examples and, you know, make it nice and flowy and like you're giving a speech. Yeah. So I'm like, cool. And we did that. And, um, we get in like our first round and I think we, we spoke first and we get up and speak and we're giving these speeches and our judges were volunteers, most Mm -hmm. of them without a debate background. So it was perfect for Mm -hmm. us. And so 
we're given these speeches and we, we have these, you know, using really good metaphors talking about like, you know, just not even like, you know, we weren't even going down like the superhero path or anything. We we're just talking about like what the government's done, for example, this, this, and this. Sure. It was really cool. And so then the other team gets up. Do you remember what the resolution was? I think it's okay. It, if you don't, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was, um, Oh geez. I do not greenhouse gas. That was the first semester. It became healthcare. Okay. Healthcare. So we were talking about whether Medicare for all was good. I believe that Got was it. it. Um, so the other team comes up and we talked about how it was good. And then they're like, they just started reading their evidence cards oh, and boy. it was funny. And they were like, they were either sitting or like hunched over because it, in policy, it's essentially, it doesn't matter how you're standing. Right. The presentation means nothing. Yeah. They're like hurled over their com- computer stopped in their foot. Just like, you know, <laughs> Greenwall 17. Da, 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 da. And just I'm, rattling I'm like, everything and, and I just, and I, I remember looking at the judge and thinking, oh, this is great. And the judge had like paused them afterwards or not. They afterwards spoke to them and said, just so you know, like, I, I, I really appreciate clarity and, like, just whoever's most clear and concise. And they, they didn't know what to do. They couldn't adjust. There was no, mm-hmm. like, halftime adjustments. They had to go with their game plan. So then they were just going to read cards. And what they ended up doing was just trying to re-explain the card. Mm-hmm. And just, like, so what this means is, but, but they couldn't really do that. Yeah. Because they were just reading cards. And, yeah, we, we were winning, winning rounds because... Every team was doing that. We didn't go up against one team that was that had a speech straight. like we were doing. Um, but we we actually, too. I remember. I, I believe we still lost <laughs> around because it was like a policy judge. Okay, who was just like, "Well, their card said this. What you, where's yeah. your evidence?" And yeah. I'm like, and I, I think I, I think I said like, "We well, we don't need evidence in public forum." I kept saying that to you know these people who are like, "Well, you need car-, you know like no, you don't need cards, no cards." I mean, like you could cite evidence if you're stating something, right. but it's, I'm not card reading. It could know. be logic, right? Yeah. It could yeah. be something logic yeah. based. Because that's the point. So it was disappointing to see public forum essentially turned into that. Because I had heard that it's not just this tournament. It's, it's sort of like a trend now. Hmm. And then I think like, what's the, what's the point of having the distinction of policy and public forum if it's all just policy. See, I've said this before. I think I think what happens is that the people who do say public forum, like these debate these de- new debates spring up and you've got people who are good at them, people who can make arguments very eloquently and um and and cite the evidence correctly and things like that and they move on and they become effective and successful in other fields and they don't come back to the debate community. And those that do come back to the debate community are usually people who aren't drawn towards other areas. That's not to, to you know, put down a lot of the fantastic debate instructors, but a lot of them, whether it be by judge pool or whether it be by uh, people who are getting jobs teaching this material uh, or just coaching or even just people who are kind of like, oh, yeah, I was involved. In a lot of people are giving back to the community mm. are people who have fallen into those same bad habits. Mm. And slowly over time, it just starts to turn into this. Well, this is how you win. And it's all this focus on win instead of education. Interesting. And I think it turns into this whole like, oh, we an, a, a card is a weapon. 
It's a tool that you can quantifiably win by. I had more cards than you. This card has more deaths than your card right. or something like right. that. Yeah. And so now it's quantifiable. But that's that's not necessarily how arguments are won in real world. You know, like it, a lot of stuff is not, there's no evidence to support. It's just, let's think this through and I don't need to research this. I just need to think of the idea and get it into your head. Mm. And if I can get you to believe that idea, then I've, I've won the debate. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think that's the problem is that people who might have been really successful using some of those tactics move on to other areas and they don't come back and, and really encourage people to do that. That's not everybody. Certainly I'm not, I mean, this whole podcast is dedicated in, as a love song to the speech and debate community. So I'm not ripping on it. I just mm-hmm. think that's effectively what's happening. And then over time, you have things like um, NFALD and LD and Parley and and public forum that start to become bastardized and all start turning into this speed spread uh, policy. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. And yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's very easy for it to go down that path. Right. Because if you focus on winning and if if everything is just like a chess move, then it's like, yeah, well like, you know, and then the judges start believing that and it sort of like it sort of goes down this like it's almost like a snowball effect or where it's like, well the judges see this, so then they, you know, the the speakers and the debaters are doing this for the judges almost and then they just come to know debate to be that. Oh, now it's shifted and now everything is, you know, yeah. like policy is more like. I remember so distinctly, I remember it was 2010. I remember judging at this really big local tournament and I judged final round of LD. And the, the, the competitors came in and they asked the judge, the three panel judge, um, three, three judges on the panel. And they asked before the debate began, is there anything you'd like to see? And I, I said straight up, I said, if you speed, I will drop you. And I remember saying that phrase. And they got it. And one of the, the competitors I had known from before, I'd seen him around a little bit. I think I remember, I think his name was Matt. But he said, uh, he, I was kind of looking at him and I was like, you know, look, I, I have not a relationship with you, but I know who you are, right? We've had a conversation before. Didn't know the other guy, but I said it very clearly. I'm like, if you speed, I'll drop you. And they started up the debate and they were kind of like, okay, cool. Matt definitely was like, yeah, yeah, I got you. And of course they start just blasting through everything. And I'm like, why would you ask and not make a change? Yeah. Like I just told you, you speed, I drop. They started speeding and I just set my pen down. Well, it's because you have to ask for judge preferences. Then (laughs) why not make an alteration in how you speak? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Man, it it blew my mind. And afterwards, I'm like, why didn't you make a change? I I said that to him in the critique session afterwards. I'm like, why didn't you do something different? He goes, I don't know. I just, I thought that I needed, I had a lot of stuff I had to get through. I'm like, but it lost you the round. Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Well, and while I, my point in bringing that up is because even when, as a judge, I'm trying to influence the community, I can't do it. It, they won't listen. Sorry, I cut you off. Go yeah, ahead. no, no. Um, well, and then that's where, you know, you, you could discuss, like, you know, how important research, it, you know, researching and putting in the work to get what you can out of the debate. But it's like researching in policy is key and you have to put in a bunch of work in order to. But when researching takes over being able to be mindful in the moment and adjust accordingly and be creative, mm-hmm. then that's where you run into problems like teams not being able to adjust, yeah. you know, when they need to, because it's like they've practiced it one way 
so I guess religiously and it's like up until the tournament this is the way and this is this is how I'm going to do that and it's so calculated so it's like they know what they're going to say already because they know those cards and they're familiar with that evidence and then right. they say this to that and it's like the preparation's great but where's the part where you're trying to figure it out in the moment too mm-hmm. and you're adjusting to what you know judges preferences are and you know which you figure out you need to essentially do to win or or if you need to change things there's no there you know i don't know it's it's interesting because it's you know preparation obviously is really important and key but then when preparation takes over you know your ability it's a tough nut to crack it's weird i don't know i don't know even <laughs> well, talking about it i'm like yeah i don't know i, I don't where's know your card for any of this ryan <laughs> i want your card yeah, i need evidence <laughs> oh, an, oh, an Hessian. Oh, oh, an Hessian? 19. Anyway. Uh, Amen. So after you're there at CSUN, uh-huh. right, you graduate. Right. And then you... I, I've asked you to come back to judge a few times. Mm-hmm. Have you judged for CSUN at all? I haven't. So let's talk a little bit about your judging experience because... Mm-hmm. I'm interested. I don't think that's something that we've really talked very much about on this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Even though we've had coaches on this podcast, and you know they've done their fair share of judging, I'm interested in what you think as a member of the judging pool. Like as you're, I've asked you to judge some middle school tournaments, and and um, you've judged some of the d- debate. Have you done speech no, tournaments too? See, I've only done speech. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I've only done speech, and I I really like it. Like. Whether it's speech or debate, it's it's essentially one community. It's like the community that I was a part of, right? And you know, going and helping judge these tournaments and, and volunteer essentially is um, it kind of makes me feel like I'm still a part of it, mm-hmm. and I like that because it's really the only chance I get to be a part of it again. And when I was leaving, uh, when I was leaving CSUN, you know, I. I bugged uh, the director at the time, like, if you need me for anything, let me know. But I also didn't want to be like too over the top. Like, Hey, do you need a, you know, an extra set of hands? Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be that. Pr- they had plenty of ju- uh, coaches and I, I just waited and <laughs> nothing came back. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like oh, all right, that's cool. Um, but uh, I, I definitely like, you know, coming back and helping judge like those speeches and the age group is, it's fascinating to see how smart and eloquent seventh graders are. Middle schoolers, are. Yeah. yeah. It's just unbelievable. Well, totally not what I was. Even, like, at to some extent, it's like, wow. Well, they figured it out. I mean, my really, first yeah. middle school tournament, I went to, uh, well, the first national tournament that I went to, even the local, local ones were a mess, man. It was like, um, they were a little bit more of what you'd expect. And then the first national one that I went to was probably, probably was 2009, 2010, something like that. And I went, I went to that one and it was, I mean, I remember seeing impromptu rounds and it was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this is, this is a total mess what's going on. And it was no slight to them. I just, I don't think they were being coached well mm-hmm. at the time. And everybody was trying to figure out what to do. And it was kind of, it almost seemed like even the, even the tournament was kind of the, redheaded stepchild of uh the of the nfa at the time they were just kind of like or nfl sorry nfl was just kind of like yeah here you know you go over here and do your thing and we you know we're gonna be over here doing the big boy stuff the real stuff right and 
I remember thinking there's huge opportunity to win here. And there were a couple of schools that were dominating, but everybody else didn't really have their act together. And I remember going back going, okay, we got to nail impromptu because no one's really doing impromptu very well. Yeah. And coaching that, and we had huge success in that. And okay, no one's doing extemp. Let's learn how to do extemp well so we can do it. Everyone's way overacting in DI. Let's go subtle. And let's start trying to do some of these things. And as I was doing it, other coaches started doing it at other places. And all of a sudden, the middle school community just started really getting their act together. And it's far more competitive now than what it was you know, seven or eight years ago. Interesting, yeah. And they, a lot of them, they can rival not just the high schools, they can rival college level. You know, you see some of these yeah. middle schoolers where you're like, wow, how did you put that together? And it's beautiful. They've, right. they've just crafted it the same way. They're just in a younger body. But in a lot of ways, I think the middle schoolers have an advantage because um, oftentimes you don't have to worry about the fear of you know public speaking. And also just the way that their day is built, it's a lot of like people saying, here, I want you to do this assignment. And they go, cool, I got to do this. This is my homework. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the motivation of getting college students to to speak, you know, it's, I, I got yeah. to work and, oh, I've got a date with Suzanne on Friday night and I can't and everything else. and More distractions. Yes, yeah, there's more distractions. And so you, you mentioned um, how like at the time these kids probably just weren't coached well. Mm -hmm. uh, would you say like, would you say coaching has, I mean, coaching always has a huge impact with something, especially speech and debate but like does coaching have a big like a bigger impact especially with kids of a younger age like middle schoolers versus college students because it, it seems like if if they're not properly coached it's a total mess whereas like college students while it's gonna be a mess there's more figuring out on their end as well okay so uh, i've talked about it on this podcast before when i came to college i had done high school uh, but i did high school speech in the 90s mid mid to late 90s and when i came to college i know right when i came to college and did speech uh, we had no coaching because mm -hmm. the coach for our college team she had done debate in the 70s so she was like i don't know this community at all so we came in as complete fresh off the boat had no idea noobs you know and it was we were n we didn't look the part. We were not dressed in suits. We were just wearing like nice jeans and a shirt. And it was like our our speeches had no structure. It was a big mess. We were a mess. We weren't coached up. And so I think the answer to your question is not is it is it more of a mess at one level or the other. I think it's a matter of where do you see new people to the activity? Mm -hmm. And I think at the middle school level, most everybody is new. So you need stronger coaches there. If you have somebody at the college level, usually there's one or two people who might have done it before, who have a previous concept of what's going on, or at least have the maturity enough to figure out everybody else is wearing suits and we're not wearing suits. What What's going on? Right. But I mean, at the middle school level, they'll be like, oh, that's just my sweatshirt I wear. They're not They're not as as reticent to pick up those those concepts with other people and trying to compare themselves even though they think of like i know i'm different but i just don't know why it's mm -hmm. yeah it's because you don't i'm wearing a suit and your suit is like your choir tuxedo from fifth grade and it doesn't fit you anymore and it's like it's a tuxedo and what are you, what are you doing right you know and you need yeah. a coach to kind of get them the, the newer people in like integrated into the system so to right. speak yeah does that make that sense? Makes sense yeah 
So I don't think it's necessarily a matter of middle school. I think it's a matter of bringing new people into the activity and doing that in in a way that matches the conventions of the whole system. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little easier at the college level, I think. Yeah. Seems like it would be. I say all of that and I don't know. We'll see. It's it's like, I don't know. It sounded great. <laughs> Just kidding. So, what have you what have you discovered as you've been judging? Any interesting insights, tidbits? Well, I've been learning more so just learning about these different various types of speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, because you've done so much debate, right? Yeah, I, mean, I everything I did experience. was debate. The only time I did any speech was editorial impromptu, <laughs> which you still haven't forgiven me for. I mean, we were going over the the, the reviews at dinner in Indianapolis, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, jeez. <laughs> did you do that Put horribly in it? I did bad. Did you, you know what the thing is at the time is I was so much less politically aware than I am now, oh. than I became. Oh. Um, and so they were asking political questions on top of the fact that they're like, just go up, you know, prepare for what, three minutes or talk for five or whatever yeah. it was. And I'm like, wait, sit here with a pen, time myself and write something for three minutes and then talk. And so I was right. I'm like, I don't know what to write. And so I'd write a few, you know, underline this. And I remember one of the, the, uh, editorial impromptus being about, uh, justice Scalia uh-huh. when he had died in the Supreme court, seat was missing which should the sitting president essentially be able to fill that role or should the or since it's an election year should right they, okay and so i'm like oh um how many nine seats <laughs> and so i go up there Supreme and i'm like court. Uh, i don't think uh the 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 next president should be able to and then and i'm like i just need this to end and i'm like <laughs> However, I ended it. I'm the like, Supreme Court is yeah, supreme. Yeah. Let's talk about supreme. It was bad and it was really embarrassing. And I remember the, the judge just just clapping, <laughs> doing one of those. And I'm just like, just stop. You know, because that clap you have to do for yeah. everybody. And I'm like, I didn't deserve that one. <laughs> but then everyone kind of felt like that. Yeah. And uh, it was a learning experience. It was well, there in a sense go. of not being so shitty. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was it was really bad. All right, but yeah. So, anyways, going 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 back to like judging these uh, speeches. Yeah, I'm essentially learning a lot about the speeches, and it's interesting because it's I, I I get wowed a lot, man. Like some of these kids stand up there, and the first person who comes up gives this really heartfelt, great speech, for example, and I'm like, that's that's a great speech. Like, who's gonna top that? And mm-hmm. then. In comes the next person who who f- I feel like they top that, and so it's difficult to really like. W- once it gets down to like having two really good ones or three really good ones, like how do I vote this one over the other one, and mm. what propels that forward, and what makes that better? Because it feels like so much of my opinion, and I'm not. And I'm like, what could like substantially make the, like make this one better than the other? Not just my bias. And I guess sort of getting my bias out of it, too. It's like, I don't know. I like that story better or I like that presentation better as opposed to they did it better. Sure. You know, because my um, my duo partner who was a guest on this podcast a few episodes ago, Shaw, he had a really good theory about what you're describing. And we had a duo that we did together and we took it to nationals and uh, AFA nationals. You have two judges 
per prelim, right? So there's three rounds of six judges. And then you have quarterfinals, which has five judges. Semifinals has five judges. And finals has five judges. So that, that's a total of what? Like uh, 21 judges mm-hmm. that see you. And we had a duo that advanced all the way to the final round. And out of all of those judges, those 21 judges, only one of them ever gave us first place. But we had advanced all the way through, all the way to finals. And Sean had a really good point. He said, yeah, it's because we were undroppable. Like we never gave them a reason to drop us. We never gave them a reason to give us sixth place. And while other duos might have been better than us, right? Might Okay, this judge really likes this duo. All of them could agree we were in the top two or three. And just doing that, just being in that top two or three gets you in. I mean, twos break and just getting like second, 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 second was enough for us to carry all the way through into that final round. Mm. And I think what you're describing, that idea of like, I can't decide between first, second, and third. And like, who do I pick? I think a lot of times I I try to tell students, you got to figure out what it is that you're giving to the judge as a reason to drop you and then eliminate that out of your speech. If you're going over time, that's a really easy easy reason mm-hmm. to drop you. That's an right. invitation. It's like totally. you might have been great, but you were two seconds over time and this person wasn't. And when now you're trying to make your decision as a judge, you're going, okay, that's an easy one. Right. I know they have to be number three now. And yeah. you just went down two rank points when you could have been first in that round totally. if you just shaved off a few seconds. So I, I think that's a, a real... Um, that's a... a thought that I had learned from Shaw and was like, I got to start implementing this as I'm teaching. Don't do anything that's going to drop you mm-hmm. and don't be droppable. You just got to be undroppable the whole time. Yeah. And doing that, even if you're not the best in the round, you'll still get pretty far. Yeah. And I, I remember uh, when I was uh, judging one of your, uh, one of the middle school tournaments, mm-hmm. um, I think it was, there were high schoolers in it too. And it was exactly that. It was this kid who went went up there. I can't remember what format of speech it was, mm-hmm. but he was he was just using really smart metaphors, and it, everything was tied together. And, and I was almost impressed that a kid of this age was, you know, was referencing Jean Paul Sartre and <laughs> you know all this stuff, and it worked. And but he wasn't my favorite in terms of him versus the other ones. Mm-hmm. Because they were more exciting, they were better speakers. He, this guy, I wouldn't say this person was like a great speaker. Or it was even that interesting. It was just so smart, and I couldn't like I couldn't put him at the bottom. Right. I he had to be at least like three or so. Yeah. And I, I guess that's sort of the same thing. Yeah. It's like you can't vote against somebody who is doing that, who's working it that well. Yeah. You know, because it's like there's something to it where it's just not last place. There's no way. So. That's a really interesting idea. I, I like I that. Uh, I like your insight. Maybe I'm a shit it. judge. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, last I, <laughs> I, I said it before. I, I've been doing this activity for so long, and I don't know what is a shit judge. I don't know what is a good judge. And whenever students say, like, we need to get some good judges, I always say, what is a good judge? Right. A good judge for you is a judge that votes for you no matter what you put out. That's certainly a good judge to you, but I'm not going to like that judge if they don't vote for me. You know, it's like, what is good? What is bad? It's your opinion. And I think that's something that this whole community has to accept and they never will. They will never accept that. They want, you, you want everyone to see the same thing that you see, but that's the whole point of having a number of judges and not just robots. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and that, what that makes me think about now is, 
the, I guess the, what I think is excessive, the amount of like biases within the judging community. And, you know, you talking about this makes me think about going back to like debate and how, you know, we would get, we would, people paid so much attention, attention to their judge before the, the round started. And it's like, oh, you, you've got that judge. So this is what you're going to say because they prefer this and they don't like critiques or mm-hmm. they don't like, you know, whatever it is. And there's a whole also, breakdown, a whole also, judge yeah. and their paradigm preference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also think it's, think it's important for judges to like, while they have their preferences, it, it doesn't need to be noticeable in their decision of every mm-hmm. round. It's like, oh, you're always going to vote against, you know, a plan that talks about this or, or I don't know. It's just sometimes they're silly where you're like, all right, dude, let it go. Just I don't, relax. I don't like this. It's like, they have to have something on their page. Right. You know? And it's like, just, can you just watch the debate that happens in front of you and make a call? Right. I don't know. Or the judges that look like they're not listening. Cause they've got like five windows open. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how are you? paying attention I, I, to this? I really feel like they're just Facebooking at that point. And yeah. just like, you know, well, they look upset. <laughs> Like another computer. I've had well, that before. Ryan, this is the part of the uh, of the podcast where we move into some survey questions. All okay. right. So I'm going to ask you a few questions that every guest gets asked on the show. This is what I like to call the final round. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> Question number one. Were you superstitious? No. Not at all? Not at all. I don't believe in that. <laughs> I like, man. You almost got angry in your in your answer just now. Your eyebrows kind of curled up. Of like, I, I just started no. thinking of all the other stuff attached to that ghost and superstitious. No, 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 nothing I do in the sense of like impacting any sort of. Did you have any habits that you were kind of doing that? No, you, you know what? It, what I like my, that. My problem was like. I, I always felt like that. I was having to put things together and it wasn't like I always needed like a water bottle or whatever. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, oh, if I don't have my water bottle, it's over. Placed right here and everything no, else. Yeah, none of that. Yeah, yeah. None of that. I was, it was always different. Mm. I mean, I, I took a freaking phone to Indianapolis as my, my you know, my yeah. papers. And no, I think I got not at all. Uh, progressively less superstitious as I was competing. Like I started out wanting a lot of superstitions and then by the end i was just like it's fine what what are you doing i feel like that creates more anxiety too i'm just like you've got to you've got to have it you know all all of a sudden you're you're tense right yeah so question number two who was the competitor you most admired the competitor i most admired oh geez um the competitors I might go back on this from UNLV. They kicked our ass. Why is that? They were just, they were good. They were straight up. They didn't run any critiques. We talked about a carbon tax plan and we, I think we went against them like two or three times before and they were just so good at kicking our ass every time. And then we (laughs) are, we broke into the next round. This is in my first semester at CSUN and we ran that Heidegger plan as a critique against what they were doing and they saw it coming and they, they, they just had it all figured out. They saw your Heidegger plan coming. They did. They're like, wow. Oh, what do I need to know about? They were talking to their judge. You're like, Oh, they're going to run this Heidegger plan. But then they just like put it into like layman's terms and they're like, this is what they're talking about. And this is why it fails. They kicked our ass. Wow. It was, I respect that. Nice. Question number three. What's the most memorable speech you've seen? 
Hmm. Could be a debate. Could be a speech you've judged. Yeah. Could be a speech from your speech class. <laughs> None of those. <laughs> <laughs> those were very memorable. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, hmm. Uh, well, when I was when I was judging, I guess it's not that memorable because I'm going to go, well, it was about this kind of, but I, I remember the way it was presented. It was really interesting. There was a girl um, giving a speech talking about uh, body image mm-hmm. and she was talking she was using herself as um the individual in her speech talking about how like binge eating and how she needs to accept herself for who she is and i just remember sort of like the body movements that she was using were really interesting wow. and she was like crouched down and it was it was almost uncomfortable but in a really like emotional uh way and the fact that that comes to mind, I was like, that was, it was good. Do you really, remember what event really that was? It. it sounds like um, DI or pros or something. <laughs> she she had it prepared. I'm not really sure. I huh. can't remember what event. Huh. They all kind of blurred together. All right. Question number four. How do you explain forensics to someone who's unfamiliar with it? Hmm. Well, if we're talking about debate... Um, Uh, essentially you, you take a topic and you learn a bunch about the pros and cons of that topic Mm -hmm. and you have those, uh, sorted out in their own independent files and you compete with them and you continue to work on them all semester. That's probably not a great way to explain <laughs> forensics. Well, like your your girlfriend, she she didn't do speech and debate, no, did she? No. So when you were working, when you were doing debate, was she asking you any questions about well, what is it that you're doing and how does that work? Yeah. Really? And uh, you know, I was probably doing my best at explaining it. <laughs> well, it, I think it helped that at, at first, you know, explaining forensics in terms of like what I knew at Glendale Community was like we have a topic either we're for that topic or against that topic and we need to know about them and whatever's put out there, we need to argue that and each argument is set up individually. And then when I went to policy, it was like, well, we use evidence and you know, that's our way of explaining our argument. Yeah. So it's, it's essentially your argument against somebody Somebody else's else's. based on one topic. Right. Question number five. What was your most unusual inspiration for a speech? Or in this case, I guess it could be a critique. Yeah. Inspiration. Oh. Ooh, this is a tough one. I don't know. Well. I mean, I would say George Collin is a fairly unusual inspiration for a critique. It is. But but there wasn't much thought behind it other than like me scrolling through the Dropbox and being like, (laughs) No one's done that yet. <laughs> Let's use that. Who came up with this? You know? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah? Um, yeah. Yeah. I also really liked when we, uh, we we would run essentially like a pro-agency um, plan that during the uh, healthcare debate, uh-huh. debate topic. And uh, we were essentially saying that like, um, you know, this whole like, this whole like victimization of individuals of like the healthcare system is discriminatory we were going back and saying that like saying that is bad for those communities uh-huh. you know we do we need to promote a sense of agency and not tell people that like the healthcare system is like punishing them because that's not good for 
them and those communities. I, I really like that because I think that yeah. resonated yeah. as like a real argument. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of that too um, in terms of how like, what could you apply what, to the real world? I'm like, oh, I actually believe in that Yeah, to, to an extent. So yeah. Probably that. That's interesting. Yeah. Question number six. Has a speech ever caused you to change? Hmm. I mean, what you just said kind of ties into that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, saying, oh, that, that's an interesting idea that maybe you actually believe yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, exactly that. And uh, change in the sense of like, like, shit, I better be more prepared. <laughs> I don't know, when, I up, when we went up against USC at Arizona State, I'm like, yeah, I need to do better. <laughs> be more, no, ster- I mean, like, after that, I'm like, I need to be ready for anything. Yeah. I'm like, what can I was going to my coaches and saying, what can I say? You know, what can I essentially say? just in case we get some sort of left field argument. And so I was like, I guess being more aware. Yeah. Be more aware. That's nice. I don't know. Yeah, that's really true. Maybe also setting an alarm a little bit earlier. Yeah. So you don't sleep. Hey, were you you actually mad about that? No. I don't, I didn't even remember it until you told me. I remember the drive. I was like, we were, we were going there and I'm like, yeah, sorry again. Like I know, Honestly, I never sleep in. You're like, oh, it's okay. It's just nationals. No big deal. Oh, I remember you saying, I'm like, that that's, sounds like me. That's like Robert humor. Yeah. But I'm like, eh, it's early in the morning. Could be upset. So. No. <laughs> I'll tell you if I'm upset. I'll be like, dude, you don't fucking do that. You know, I, but I, all, all I want to do is get your goat. I just wanted to be like, you know, get under your skin. I never and give knew. You a hard time. I never knew. I'm like, no, oh. I, I don't think I much cared. I probably just rolled out of bed myself. You know? I remember the comment because it was just such a perfect comment too. You know, like, yeah. I, that sounds totally that like something I would me. say. I'm different. All right, question number seven. What did you do with your awards? They're at my parents' house. Yeah. What awards? <laughs> well, you've got at least a first place and yeah, I've got place? a few. Yeah. yeah. First what place, did you do with them? Place, speakers and. There, yeah, I just left them at my parents' house. Yeah, are they? In, do you have a room at your parents' house or? No, it's right on like the mantle above the fireplace. Okay, right there. that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, on public display. Yeah. All right. Question number eight: What speech skill do you use most often in your day-to-day life? Oh. Hmm. Speech skill. Uh. I'm trying to smile a little bit more as I speak. Oh wow! I that's think really nice. You taught me that one. Did I? Yeah, because like we were that. gonna, or maybe it's avoiding the uh, bro fist. The bro fist. <laughs> yeah, so that's this like yeah. when you're hitting your fist into yeah. your open hand. I call that the bro fist. Yeah, yeah. I um, like smile more. I, I think that's a little dramatic. I don't think I'm going around like smiling as I speak, but not you know coming off as so like harsh, just relaxing, or, and yeah. talking, and not maybe not flailing my arms. I, I of course I like that because I might have been the one that told you that. Yeah, although I don't remember telling stuff. you that, but I say that quite yeah. a bit. I, I think. I think that really impacts your judge in a positive way. Just a simple smile can just change so much about what they're watching, what they're experiencing. Totally. All right. Question number nine. Why didn't you quit? Why didn't I quit debate? I don't know. Why didn't I quit? Man, why didn't you quit? I did quit. Oh. Why did Why'd I you come back? Yeah. Why'd you keep I going? Came, yeah. I came back because it was the competitive side of me that decided to come back because i'm like i i know i'm i could do better than i've done wow now when you say i knew i could do better than i've done do you feel like you're competing against yourself or against yeah, totally. other people myself completely because i felt like i was i always felt like I, i'm never gonna be as naturally like 
quick and witty and focused as these other debaters are that I'm competing against. But I know I could get to the point where I, I, I work hard enough to where I could at least win some debates. I wanted to win some debates. Yeah. I, I don't want to like end on a losing note. I was, yeah. I was losing it out. I was like definitely under 500. Huh. Um, so yeah, I wanted to at least give that a shot. And also like, I didn't want to like, you know, be done with college and be like, Oh, I could have done this. Oh, I never been, did. Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely glad I did. Not again, not to make it, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to compare, I guess, but not trying to, trying to make it myself. But as you say that, I'm thinking, I feel like I, I didn't I didn't do that. I didn't stop because I wanted to compete and beat other people. But I like what you're saying, which is like really competing against yourself. Totally. I didn't see it that way. And I'm, I like that you did. I think that's yeah. a really interesting um, aspect to this whole thing that I, I don't normally think about. Well, I, I, that's that's why I wanted to do debate in the first That's why I wanted to mm. be in your class. That's true. I'm like, yeah. prove it to myself. So, yeah. So coming back was like, let's prove it to myself that, you know, that I could do policy and do it well. And maybe I did, maybe in some cases, but I well, clearly you proved. I did you it could, better. It right? was the best. It was the best tournaments. I my last tournaments were the best tournaments I've did. I've done. Um, not even comparing like who we were going against. They were just the best, best prepared, best speeches, and so it was. It was cool. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Question number ten. This is the one. This is my favorite. I save okay. it for the last. All right. What was the best advice you've received about a speech? This is uh, maybe I could think of some good advice. Well, what's some memorable advice at least? Memorable. <laughs> oh man, I can't even go back to like policy because everything was my argument as opposed to my speech. Um, it was like, well, you needed to say this, you know, do that. Um, like the advice that they were giving you was like, just say this. Well, what they said was this, and we should have, you know. So I don't know, you know. Here, I'm trying to think back to uh, any I judges think in, in public in that Indianapolis tournament. I think uh, that first judge told me just to relax a little bit more. Yeah, and it was just so like just typical and just simple. And I remember him coming to be coming to me and being like, "This was your first tournament, right?" And he had known <laughs> nothing about me. And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Just when you go up there, just like relax." And, Okay. Yeah. I feel like the simple advice is usually the it's best. It's the memorable. Advice. Yeah. You know, I, like, I don't oh, remember okay. like the oh, you should have used this evidence card against. You know, I barely remember the damn resolution. Right. This semester. And well, like, it's kind of what I was saying earlier. Yeah. It's like that stuff doesn't it doesn't stay with you f- for the next debate. It's really you got to find things like relax a little bit more in order to, uh, to 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 have something to go off of for the next round and the mm-hmm. next the next resolution and what you pull out for the next few years of your life. Mm-hmm. You know. I will say a, a policy judge, uh, this was my first semester at CSUN, had told me, I, I told her this was my last tournament. I'm going to um, I'm gonna quit after this. She says, don't quit. Like, just like, she was like offended by it. Mm-hmm. She's like, I got a full ride at Wake Forest for debating. I didn't even like it that much when I joined. She's like, trust me, it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. Just don't quit and keep doing it. So I quit. <laughs> but you came back. I came back. Yeah. That's just as good. It, it was good advice. It, it was like just non-judgmental, non-critical. Just doesn't matter how good you are. Just just do the thing. It's good for you. So it's cool. nice. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, Ryan, this is great, man. Yeah, this was fun. 
Yeah, it was fun. fun. Hey, man, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to find you on uh, social media, how would they do that? Well, I don't have much. Um, I do have a Facebook. Wow. Uh, Fancy. I I think you search Ryan Ohanessian on Facebook. Uh Uh-huh. I don't think there's anyone else with my first and last name. (laughs) I doubt it. So you can find me there. But All right. How would not, they spell not your that last I'm on name? it that, that much. O H A N E S S I A N. All right. Ohanesian. 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 And as for us, if you want to find us uh, on Twitter or Instagram, you can find us. Our handle there is at Forensic Podcast. Ryan, this has been great, man. Thanks, Robert. Thank it you. Was, it was fun. Thanks for coming in. So until the next round, keep talking. And as Ryan says, relax a little more and don't quit. I'm not an actress How oh, are you acting now? Cause if you're not somebody Must show you how You got the same funky old world charm I don't know where you come from But you're perfect for